0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 2 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I am your host Adam Filipchuk alongside Andrew Podleski. and holy do we have a lot to talk about today there was sunday right now so we just uh finished up uh what is it i think 12 different events we had 10 nationals we had a calling we had a pro quest yeah there's a lot to 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 dip into there on top of that uh, we'll be touching quickly on uh, the ruling from lss from uh The controversy from last weekend's uh, UK Nationals. Uh, But before all
1: that, uh, Andrew, how was your week in flesh and blood? Hey, good, man. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction. So, to recap, saw you Tuesday night at Blitz. I've been dying to your spicy Kano list in every Blitz event around town, so I thought I'd be smart and bring this Aggro prism list just to beat you. And I take down round one, take down round two. I've got to win round three to probably see you in the finals. And then I lose round three and I'm kind of salty. I'm not going to get a chance to play you with the deck that I brought just for you. And then you went and lost too. So now we're both playing in round four in the X1 bracket. And I just lost to you anyways. Just went (laughs) 2 2. I should have just brought my own deck. And then Wednesday, played some CC with the deck I'm going to bring to nationals. And we won again. So that makes nice, me 17-0 and nice. in CC since some recent changes. So I hope that keeps up, keep running hot during Nationals. We uh, had to miss Thursday on LaDuke because I was playing my hockey. And then not fab-related, but holy smokes, that Edmonton Oilers hockey game on Friday night? Yeah. That was like the best hockey game I've seen in a long time. That'd that make... comeback was hype.
0: Well, I remember it so... Um... Brooklyn's uh Brooklyn's brother and uh and dad were lucky enough to get to go to that game oh my. and uh, I remember it's, it's actually so uh it was Brooklyn's brother's first uh Oilers game in person <laughs> and uh, i remember texting brooklyn halfway through uh the second period or something like that and oilers are down four one anything and she's like oh man worst worst game to ever to get to go to and uh, yeah. i was like just be patient we'll see what happens yep. and then that huge comeback that was so hype I-, I was screaming i was off my chair just so stoked yeah yeah, that was good. Uh, but yeah, so you said Thursday night you were playing and uh, you you missed our Thursday night armory because yep. you were in
1: playing my hockey. Yeah, and
0: Thursday night um, I brought out my cana list again, and I'm all cocky at this point because I've I think I've seen maybe one or two losses across like three or four events, and uh, I end up getting around one by which is think was my only win round two goes to a draw and then round three i get smacked around by an old him so uh it was about time i probably saw uh a losing streak with that deck because uh it's been
1: uh it's
0: been lucky so far
1: yep so did you unsleeve it throw it out the window
0: no i uh i haven't unsleeved it yet i uh, we've actually got what the battle hardened coming up this friday in toronto and um racking my brain trying to decide if i want to try to stick with this deck this kano deck to uh to play on the battle hardened or if i uh i mean i could always fall back to Ira. um i haven't played iron actually uh talking about Ira, um i did get uh to play some ninja recently because we had our uh we did a, a team sealed uh this past saturday um
1: true that was so fun we teamed up with our buddy, Kevin, and we drafted, or Sealed Pool, I should say. We got, um, what was it, six packs of Arcane Rising, six packs of Welcome to Wraith, and three packs of Crucible?
0: Yeah, yeah. So anybody who's not familiar with the Team Sealed format, it was, a, I guess, a legacy format at this point because of Crucible going out of print. But the whole idea was it was a way to play limited with Crucible. So you would, uh, in teams of three, you would crack... Six packs of WTR, six packs of Arcane Rising, and three packs of Crucible of War, and you'd uh, make three decks out of the total, the combined pool of all the cards. and uh,
1: And you sit with your teammates and play each your own one versus one, but your teammates can help you out by talking to you, you can talk over plays, ask questions, like when I'm done my game I can come over and sit between my teammates and, you know... Watch them see if I can see any lines that they can't.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So I sleeved up a cool Viserai deck. Yeah, we had you on
0: Viserai. Uh, Kevin on uh, Kevin ended up playing Brute um, Reinar, uh-huh. and then I uh, slipped into the uh, um, the old Ninja ways. Yeah, Katsu. Haven't played a bunch of Katsu in a while here, but that was good. And
1: we lost in the finals. We got yeah. absolutely dream crushed by the team of Hugh and Joel and Kale.
0: Yeah, I well I mean in my defense I went undefeated. Yeah, you
1: didn't lose. But uh Kevin no. and uh I had a spicy one come down to the wire against Joel and he was playing Bravo and just almost every turn it seemed he had some sweet dominated crush fancy attack coming at me and I just I couldn't live, couldn't survive, I let us down. Yeah, you well I mean you <laughs> got to the point where
0: you I mean he had the pummel, and yeah. you just you couldn't afford to play around the pummel. No,
1: and I was gonna fatigue myself if I blocked for the pummel and discarded my last card in hand. That wasn't the way to win. I just wouldn't have a turn, and then I'd be out of cards. So exa-
0: yeah, and there, there's just, at that point you've got to go for it. You got to risk it for the biscuit. Yeah, and and then I know I was talking to Kevin about his match after the fact, and he was saying that his big thing because he was playing into Hugh on Kano, and. Uh, uh, I guess K- he was playing a bit more of like a, a hybrid battle mage style Kano uh, presenting both physical and arcane, and uh, um, Kevin was saying that he let in some physical damage that he shouldn't have let in. He should have been blocking more of the physical damage because he couldn't block the arcane damage, uh, so that was... Yeah,
1: he was saying he maybe could have played a longer game where he was blocking more and just swinging with the hammer every turn. Because he had some no rune gloves, he could be stopping some of the arcane damage. Yeah play for that late game eventually yeah. Kano will fatigue himself early and game it looked like it was going really well for him I was looking over in the early game and he kept intimidating his opponent so Kano wasn't able to you know cast his spells yeah. on Kevin's turn
0: there's a fun fact about the intimidate mechanic um, it's actually really good at shutting down uh, Kano and prism because the with the Intimidate mechanic, you don't get the cards back in your hand until after the end phase, which at which point you lose your priority window. So if you want to go off and Prism cast an instant or uh, Kano, you know, Kano off the top when your opponent doesn't have any cards in hand, you, you're not able to do that.
1: Yep. And then I got hyper-focused on my game because I was getting clapped over here. And then Kevin told me he lost and it was all up to me. I was like, oh no, I'm not in a good position for that. Yeah. But that was fun. Congrats yeah. to those guys. Huge old kale. They took down the event 3-0, got yeah. all the prizes. <laughs> and then today we had a nice, fun, chill day. We went to our buddy Reno's house and they cooked for us and we got to draft a box of Tales of Aria just for some practice for nationals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Um, we had, uh, actually that one was funny cause I, I cracked pack one and I, seeing like right away like some I mean I think turn or, I got runaways right off the bat on pack one pick one which is just a, that's a solid pick and then from there I just kept seeing a lot of lightning cards and like some early picks for some like some really good uh Briar cards and I'm like is really no one drafting Briar and uh, as, as things went on um the the Briar card started to dry up a bit, but then that's when I started seeing a bunch of Lexi stuff, like I saw on Late Honing Hood, and I uh, I just drafted the sickest Lexi deck, but meanwhile, you were on Old... the old, No, you weren't the only one on Old... Hayden was Hayden drafting. Hayden was also on holding. Yeah, but even at that, like you drafted what looked like a pretty sweet
1: Old... It seems deck. sweet. I first picked like a Weave Earth to try to stay open, and then I took um some sort of rune blade card and then i just started seeing signs that old him was just completely open and i just picked so many guardian playables it was it was so fun i hope nationals goes that way where i just like you know Instantly see signs, recognize my seat, see what's open, and just go with that the whole draft.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then like like we said last week, like that's that's really for like the in the draft portions of nationals next week. That whoever does the best is going to be whoever like could just draft a really good deck in their in their seat, play their play their seat draft whatever heroes open, and then uh, then I think which interestingly enough the other takeaway from our draft today is then being also good at playing whatever deck you draft because we yeah. uh um Oh I no I, I got quite lucky I, I three o'd the pod and uh I know you
1: won round one and then lost two and three after that. I went two and one. I just lost two to you. And then played a couple more practice games with you after. It was great practice for me because old is like not my playstyle at all. And that, that's where I was going
0: with this: is that yeah, like we we saw initially as you were playing old him that you were um, playing more towards kind of just what you would feel comfortable doing. And it was, I mean, like you still went two and one in, within the main our main event. So like that alone shows that you were doing something right but like in our practice matches after the fact like the because I, th- I think we played three and the first two you were kind of throwing haymakers with me and we after the first two matches we identified kind of what you need to do to kind of play old him his to his most optimal fashion and when we we kind of talked over that and you made those adjustments you absolutely creamed me like I didn't even stand a chance in that third match we played
1: Yeah, I figured that game flowed a lot better, but I I certainly figured out what I was doing wrong. Yeah, like you... I feel bad. I think it was round one, though. I got to smack Hayden for like five or six, and then turn two or three, I set up just this gross swing for like 19 dominated. That is gross. (laughs) She's like, okay, can't do anything about that.
0: (laughs) Unless you're at 20 health and you can block with a card. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's... Just or nothing. if you've got the turn timber and arsenal, maybe yeah. In in but yeah, you're right. In but... in limited, sealed uh, or sorry, uh, draft tales of Aria, there's not much you can do to a, a 19 dominated attack. No, no. But yeah, yeah uh, just to finish touching on it though, like talking about the adjustments you made going into that third game because I think it's it's kind of relevant going into nationals. What were the big Cause like like I said like the, in those games we're playing after the fact you were you and I in the first two games like we just kind of went back and forth exchanging damage mm-hmm. and I I mean I was fortunate enough to have Voltaire which is going to play a, a huge factor in allowing me to pump out a lot more damage and incentivize me to just hold on to my cards and keep swinging back at you but what was the big
1: thing you tweaked in game three that really well at first I was kind of racing. Or I was gambling on the setup turns. I was playing out a Strength of Sokoa or the Emerging Avalanche or one of the other setup cards that buffs your attack next turn um, without an attack setup or lined up. So I was just throwing that out there, banking on drawing a good attack action that I could play in my next four cards. Um, And that sometimes wasn't working out or I'd have to block too much or I ended up just kind of wasting those setup turns. Um, And I was, yeah, just kind of playing that like race-style beat-you-down game starting from turn 1, and game 3, the the big difference I made was playing second and then setting up very slowly. I just played very controlling, blocking everything, setting up like one piece at a time, like getting the the big setup piece in arsenal or something, and then waiting till I had a good attack action that I knew I'd be able to cast to put that in arsenal after playing the setup turn, and just sit there defending while I meticulously set up the big crush attack. And then I just had a much higher life total going into late game. So then I could start chipping with the hammer and stuff. And when Adam got to a much lower life total.
0: Yeah. And that, that, that was what I noticed is by the time, because like I was throwing these big attacks at you at the beginning in that third game and they just weren't, you. I wasn't chipping anything in. And then, yeah, we reached kind of this pivot point where, and now admittedly, and I was saying this to Kevin after the fact, um, there was a, point there where i had the shock striker and i was trying to decide do i arsenal the shock strike striker or do i play the shock striker and i inadvertently decided to arsenal it but i think that allowed you to hold on to some cards that you otherwise would have probably gave up on a block and from that point on there i i couldn't i couldn't catch up because you that was when you came in with this glacial footsteps for 10 dominated i think and I I took a bunch on that, and then I was just so far behind on health that you could take these huge hits and just keep swinging back with these huge attacks.
1: Mm-hmm. Another realization I had to make too was like normally I don't like blocking in Flesh and Blood. <laughs> this is not my favorite thing to do, but I had a bunch of defense reactions in this oldheim deck, so I needed to realize that. You know Adams. Some of his turns are going to be very wide, and that sucks for me. And other turns of his is going to be like kind of one big attack, and that's when I can just pitch a card to play a huge defense reaction block for seven, and then come back in with like a, a very large turn. So having a higher life total farther into the game really gives me time to play around with that.
0: Yeah, and I think going into this coming weekend in in Toronto um, for the draft rounds the person who can adapt to the play style of their hero um, along with it, like it, it, if all things line up for you if you draft a great deck in your seat and then you're able to sit down and play that hero really well, like everything should work out for the, wh- whoever that person is that does that or the people who do that well um, that's going to be where they're going to really stand out um, and I mean, if if you do that, if if you're a person who can do that well, that's gonna that's gonna be those draft rounds are gonna be so easy for you. Yeah,
1: especially uh, when you're going into like the top eight, that's the pod of people that you're gonna play against. So that's when the cards that you take like definitely affect what they're doing. And if you can really like be open. Like sometimes we see one person end up on Lexi, and the other seven players are all fighting over like Briar and Oldheim, yep. and that's when they have like this sweet Lexi deck, and the yep. other people haven't taken a lot of Lexi cards to punish them. And I mean, some people draft what they're comfortable with. Uh, just to like
0: quickly mention there, I think you mentioned like the top eight draft. I think the top eight for uh, our um, our our national actually all the nationals are played in the C, are played CC, uh, but I believe you draft. Because I, I know for sure for the UK it was the three rounds of CC, three rounds of draft, three rounds of CC. Day two started
1: with draft rounds, and then it was the top eight finished in CC. Um, I yeah, think... maybe it's the proquest I'm thinking of on the Sunday where you start with sealed, and then the top eight I believe draft.
0: Uh yes, yeah. The C the top the proquest for our, um, Canada our Canada nationals. Or Canada nationals day two is formatted that way. I believe you're right. Because the like. In in traditional fashion, we've seen the ProQuest for any big event always be usually the opposite format of what the main event was, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but uh, speaking of events... um
1: yeah, a lot of flesh and blood this weekend. There's so much to look at. It's impossible to keep on top of it all.
0: Yeah, I know. I missed
1: so much gameplay that I wanted to see.
0: Well, I mean, you could. I, I actually saw somebody post on, I think it was the the general fan page, like, what a great weekend. That, like, 24-7, there was something being streamed. Because I know, like, right as, like, on day one or day two of, um, uh, U.S. Nationals was wrapping up, Malaysia Nationals was starting up, and then, um, You could just watch into the night. Um, I I elected to sleep outside of watching U.S. coverage, but um, we have a a breakdown here. Unfortunately, we weren't able to find all the metadata for all the events. Um, I I, I think... We'll get, obviously, the the LSS uh, breakdown later on this week. Uh, I would expect probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. Um, but uh, the data we were able to find for some of the smaller events, uh, so we had in Spain, we had Bolton winning. Uh, we had uh, a Brier pol- pulling it out in Portugal. Um, in Germany, we had Breyer. Uh In Norway, we had Dory. That's interesting, a little different. Um, Bulgaria was Bravo, Uh, Switzerland was Bravo, Austria was Breyer. Um, And then going down, I've got a little bit more metadata for France and Malaysia. I just flipped to the right page here in my notes. So in Malaysia they had 25 total players, um, 6 on Dorinthia, 6 on Breyer, 3 on Reinar, 3 on Bravo two on Prism, one on Katsu, one on Dash, one on Azalea, one on Chain, and one on Lexi, uh, with uh, Dash taking out uh, the Malaysian Nationals. And then for France, we had 11 Briars, three Dash, four Reinar, three Levia, two Katsu, three Chains, two Dories, a Kano, a v- two Viscerized, two Prisms, two Bravos, two Lexis, and two Old Hymns. And I believe for France, France, it was Briar taking that one out. And then that leaves us with our uh, American events. Uh, before we dip into the main American stuff, um, do you, Andrew, have any thoughts on
1: kind of the meta share from those smaller events? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised to see kind of a higher number of like. Bravos, and I expected more Prisms. Yeah, the I did not expect the amount of Briar that we're seeing across all of these events. It is cool to see like the Dorinthia win and the Dash win. That's really spicy. I was hoping for like some sick Levia win or Rhinar or Kano or yeah. something that would have been cool to see.
0: Yeah, um, and like you know, one thing I've noticed about some of those more fr- do I do I dare say fringe metas or like, just those places where. There, there isn't as big of a player base. Um, I've definitely noticed some of the meta can be influenced by just what people are loyal to. Like, I mean, like the Dorinthia win, for example, like that's probably a meta where someone is just in love with the Dorinthia character and um, they're, they're just dedicated to play it. And we... We seem to see a little more of that in the the Asian metas, um, some of the more Eastern European metas. Um, it, it's more so, I guess, in from what I've seen, kind of in, in the Western European metas and in North America and New Zealand, and Australia, where people seem to play the meta more. So,
1: yeah, especially here in Edmonton, I've noticed and especially with magic too is people were so quick to hop on like this week's hot deck like people would just buy full decks so fast you'd see them on like a Monday night magic event and then by Wednesday they just have like the whole deck that just won something all sleeved up ready to go and they'll do this constantly year round they're just constantly switching decks buying the new hot deck yeah
0: and I mean flesh and blood comparatively to magic like magic to be able to jump on all the different decks is just that is so expensive that I don't I, I guess people so have, have oil money. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but I, Flesh and Blood, thankfully, it is reasonable enough to have a place out of all the cards for the most part that it is possible to jump from one deck to the next currently. And if somebody stays on top of things and as each set comes out they release they just they they update their collection
1: i'm loving how fast it was for me to just collect three of every common three of every rare start replacing these all with foils now certain legendaries you just need one it can go in multiple decks it's very different from like trying to keep up with you know the hot new magic set yeah yeah exactly uh and
0: i i don't imagine we'll see the amount of sets like compared to magic where we're it seems like each week we're getting a new set um flesh and blood is is really their release schedule is a lot lighter so it's it is possible to stay on top of the releases and
1: yeah and they've done such a good job like back to the metadata you were just sharing for all of those events like every hero's showing up and the charts are pretty wide there's a good range of almost everything showing up yeah it's like like a person could reasonably almost play anything right now and do well
0: yeah yeah with that being said if we look at the uh, american data now uh out of uh i believe this the player cap was uh 600 for u.s nationals now i don't know if all 600 players showed up but out of that we had a um a resounding 134 briars show up. That's uh, insane. Followed by 64 bravos, 50 prisms, thirty katsu, 31 katsus, 30 dashes, uh, 27 chains, uh, 23 boltons, 16 viscerais, 15 rhinars, 11 old hymns, and then 22 in the other category. So that makes up like your uh, azaleas, your kanos. Um, right away we see... In our North American meta, that people are a lot clearly more influenced by what is competitive and I mean makes sense uh, I think even through the historical magic scene, we can see that uh we're a lot you know a lot of the people who grind the scene in North America are um, they're gonna play what's competitive
1: and um, and they had to grab all these first edition cards they yeah. got. You know, like unlimited comes out, I think this week or next week coming up. yeah, here. we're getting it on Friday here, the twelfth. Yeah, so these people that all showed up playing Briar or Lexi or Old him had to find their first edition legendaries, their cold foils, and
0: which I mean the the print runs for we we know the print run for for first edition tales was a lot bigger. We don't know what it was, but we know it was bigger than uh, previous sets, so it's becoming. It is feasible to get all your first edition cards you need. Uh, now, if we look at the, the Bri- like, I mean, Briar holding a, the biggest share of the meta, um, a lot of the cards that are in the standard Briar list, there, there's very few that are actually out of Tales of Aria. Uh, I know I, I saw... I mean, there's some common and rare elemental cards, some fusion cards, but for, for the the big expensive cards... I don't think like the legendary creepers. I think is more we see played more in chain than actually in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, some people were just on the Snapdragon scalers. Yeah, and it would just be shock charmers as the other only expensive tails card to pick up.
0: Which I think if you're gonna, especially like if you're playing a game plan where you're not blocking, if you're gonna choose between shock charmers or or grasp, I think grasp is the preferred. Um, arm piece like that block for two and then one is so good in so, so many good. situations. Yep. so US Nats, we saw Cody Williams on or for top eight. We saw Cody Williams on chain, uh, Isaac Jensen on Ice Lexi, um, Dagan White on Briar, uh, Jacob Baugh on Briar as well. Uh, Michael Feng, our uh, Cincinnati calling champion on chain. Uh, John Siadak on Briar. Uh, Tariq uh, Patel on Briar. And Tyler Horsepool, the Vegas champion, on uh, Briar as well. So big conversion from Briar there. Um, no surprises with that. We saw, especially Tariq Patel, uh, that's a name that's been. I've been hearing a lot of lately. I know the Arsenal Pass guys and Brendan Patrick speak highly of Tariq Patel. Um, I know all throughout the weekend across the uh, the, the, the the Nationals uh, Channel Fireball um, stream, they were praising Tariq Patel quite highly. Uh, Tariq went eight zero in the first day, which is super impressive.
1: Um, and he... Do you think he broke the meta? Everyone's that, talking about him right now. That's the
0: big question right now: is did Tariq Patel break the meta? Um, I mean, he's he's the U.S. national championship or champion. He in this deck, he that he people are saying he's the pioneer of the the essentially the flesh and bloods first red deck wins, um, like running. I think... Well, I, I haven't actually personally... Do you, do you know how many blues are in the Trick Patel list? Do you have it handy there?
1: Yes, there's 11 blues.
0: 11 blues. And that's, include, that, that's from an 80-card main deck. Or 80-card that, total That's correct,
1: deck. yeah. That's... Yeah, this is 73 cards.
0: Not including equipment.
1: Yeah. Correct. So there's 11 blues in that 73 cards. That's insane. Like... Yep. And just 10 yellows. Everything else is red. We have 52 reds.
0: That is insane. But... And it, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like he first showed this deck off about a month ago. Um, I think it was in a ProQuest he played it in. Uh, it must have been, I would assume Dallas. Uh, I don't have the the data handy in front of me. But then from there, uh, Matthew Felks picks up the list and takes it to a 15-0 win in, uh, at the UK Nats. And um, I know since then I heard in an interview that uh, this past week uh, Tariq spent the week actually hanging out with Matt Rogers. They were refining the list, uh, refining the game plan. Um, I mean, you, you got to think that for all the upcoming Nationals from here on out and until somebody truly finds a solution to this deck we're going to see this deck pop up all over the place.
1: Yep. At um, this U.S. Nationals here. Of course, not everyone was on Tariq's exact list, but I saw someone posting about how Briar had the highest conversion rate from day ones to day twos as well. When you take into account the percentage of Briars that showed up compared to everything else and how many of them made it to day two.
0: Now, we did see... Now, I, I think this is probably one of the coolest top uh for U.S. Nats. We did see Ice Lexi... Uh, make an appearance and a lot of people I know I saw on the the channel fireball chat uh, the stream chat a lot of people were saying uh, Ice Lexi could be one of the if not the answers to this lightning briar we're seeing
1: yeah Um, well the deck runs very lean like we said it's like all red cards and they're trying to go very wide with a lot of go again yeah a lot of zero
0: cost red cards where you don't need to pitch red so in theory lexi um ice lexi frostbite tokens just disrupt like huge disruption forcing you discard cards forcing your cards to cost more than you want them to so making things lose go again now with that being said uh, the quarterfinals match we had Dagan White against Isaac Jessen or Ice uh, Lexi. Yeah, very and, close match. Oh, what a what a nail biter that one was! Um, Ice Lexi Isaac. For a good chunk of the game, he had just huge control of the game, and I, I mean everybody thought it was a decisive win. Yeah, and then. And then he whiffs on a uh, a three of a kind turn, uh, doesn't draw a single arrow, and Deegan recognizes that as his opportunity to pivot um, and goes, ends up shutting out Ice Lexi and and taking the win from from having two health left. Like yeah, just got all the tempo back. Just yeah. came in
1: with so much pressure every and, turn,
0: and like I mean even ice lexi being on voltaire which i I don't disagree with but uh i would have thought shiver to be the better choice for ice lexi personally i think even if he'd just been able to pump out one dominated attack that would have been enough to close it out yeah i think so too but uh the the part i want to highlight about that and this is where so many pros aspiring pros Um, can find their wins is playing to your outs. And I think that is a huge takeaway from that match, is that uh, how many people would have been in in Deegan's shoes and would have thought, this is it, and might have even scooped. Uh, And he just kept sticking with it and just kept trying to block as good as he could until he found that window to turn it around. Yep. And I think that is to anybody, especially like going into the rest of the nationals this this season, and going into our incredible lineup of twenty twenty two events. Um, don't don't give up if this isn't magic. Where you turn four, haven't drawn a land, and your opponent has a full board. Like the, there's always an opportunity to turn it around
1: yep in flesh and blood what matters a lot more than your life total is how many cards you're playing per turn versus how many cards they're playing per turn if you get that tempo back where you're just handing out tons of pressure and they have to start blocking with two or three or four cards a turn then you get to just keep doing that as long as you can keep the pressure up they have to just drop and pass back to you and you get to just do it again
0: yeah yeah and that can be once you get your opponent on the back foot that can be what it you know what it takes to to close out a game uh, but we, yeah, I, I wanted to highlight that match cause I thought that one was just a great, a great example of, uh, well, I mean so many different concepts in flesh and blood. Um, and flexi ice, I know a lot of people were saying, they're thinking that can be an answer to this Briar epidemic. Um, and I think after seeing Isaac lose the way he did, unfortunately as hard as it is to see a loss like that I think a lot of people are probably going to be scared away from Ice Lexi for that reason mm-hmm. now we did have uh, an Oldheim win in uh, the uh, US calling and we'll touch on that more but um, I think people people might look to that as an answer to um, Breyer and to these red line decks, I mean Chain um, less redline, but still playing on a lot of zero cost cards and and playing on a resource efficient game plan. Um, so that is something that could possibly disrupt our meta. And
1: yeah, I think chain is the only deck that can come very close to racing this briar deck. And then their equipment blocks for ten, yeah. which is just huge, and that can give them the edge. As well as if you're hitting those soul shackles they start to get a little bit stronger in the mid to late game whereas like this briarless it doesn't get any stronger the farther the game goes on it's just very low to the ground a growth trying to do the same thing from turn 1 to till the game's over
0: yeah I think you can almost even think of your like chain at this point as I, I would call him a mid-range deck he can have some very some very aggro openings but he's he's not looking to finish the game as quickly as possible he's looking to in the early game probably make some blocks I mean having and husk is so good um, and he's looking to extend the game to the point where he does start banishing four five six cards in that mid to late game hopefully hitting those strong banishes and being able to close out the game with an attack that just overwhelms the opponent
1: yeah for sure like chain very much plays like an aggro deck but it just gets so much stronger in the mid game it's nuts i've never seen an aggro deck work that way before in any game i've ever played normally aggro is strongest in the first couple turns and then they start getting weaker and people that can survive to the late game yeah. beat beat the agro deck there and yeah. chain chain's very interesting that way yeah
0: and i think let's come back to chain a little bit there in a moment i do want to finish on this part for like talking about briar uh now i know thanks to the list we've gotten from Tariq patel and um seeing as many people on briar as we have some people are starting to ask the question does briar need to be banned now i do have a, a few thoughts on this but first what do you think there andrew
1: I like to wait a couple months and try to let the people figure it out on themselves. Games are really fun when the meta's evolving like every day, and the community has to you know crack the code, find the answers, like you know, change things up, tweak their game plan, find new sideboard cards, find some way to be able to to come on top of the new meta as they change day to day. So I don't like when companies just, you know, ban something right away before the community gets a chance. That crack in the code.
0: Yeah, and I kinda I, it's kind of my thought as well. I think it's too soon for any kind of ban. Furthermore, uh when we look at the chain bannings, when we look at Seeds of Agony getting banned, um that was one like easily identifiable card that was a problem. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Briar list, there's I don't think there's a single card that stands out. It's not a problem card, it's a strategy. And yeah, you're you're right. Like we need to give the meta a chance to to really respond to this. And when you when you look at all the different uh, heroes winning the big events, like this is honestly actually Briar's only second win. Um, we've seen Prism win. We've I mean Briar wasn't around for Prism's win in Vegas, but uh, Prism was able to overcome a huge adversary in Chain and then uh, throughout the the limited callings we actually saw a like when everybody expected briar to win then we saw a control strategy prevail and now with that being said do you know off the top of your head what michael fang won on in cincinnati i no i forget all right i i didn't w- see what he was playing in cincinnati but uh, looking at like the pro quests um prism winning and then uh bravo winning and then um yeah, more more recently, and uh, the, these events this weekend, um, old Tim winning in, in uh, the calling uh, in Orlando. Aggro is very strong in this game, but aggro is beatable. That I think that's a huge takeaway. Is that we, when we actually as a community set our minds to it to try to figure out how to beat something. It is. It, it's very possible. So, um, I, I expect Brier to be very prevalent going into this next weekend of um, this next weekend of, of nationals. Uh, I you know I know we've got our Canadian Nats. I don't know off the top of my head what the other nationals going this upcoming weekend are, but um, Canada is going to be a big one as well. Uh, Canada's got a lot of uh, big players and uh i i think it's it's safe to say that the 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 briar the briar do i keep calling it a briar epidemic um yeah i found Bre- the answer to
1: your question oh too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry to cut you off it looks like it was draft but yeah it, it, i knew yeah. it was draft i just didn't know what hero it was on yeah, he was on oldheim and okay. he beat Tarek patel <laughs> it oh, was no on briar yeah so
0: there you go so and that once again reinforces the point that briar is beatable um Now, I think for anybody going into Canadian Nats, you have a big question on your hand. Do you run Briar? Do you try to race everybody? Do you try to win that way? Or do you try to beat Briar? I think, once again, like our... Any event, Metacall, is what, first and foremost, I think, defines who's going to have a good chance at winning that event. And... With Briar being as popular as she is this, yeah, this this coming weekend.
1: It's an important question to ask. Yeah. And I think it comes down to a player's personality, too. Like, if you really like control decks, or you've put a ton of time into Bravo or something, then, you know, maybe bringing an ice old home strategy to try to shut down Briar, take away the go-again, slow him down, that could work really well for you. If you're more of an aggro player, then you have to decide if you want to also bring the Briar deck and maybe play mirror matchups all day or if you want to try racing it with like a agro katsu or a chain deck or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh I know like Chain Chain is one people thought was dead. And um Not I. Yeah I, I knew. You're a, I know you're a, like, <laughs> you, like we know you're a devout chain main. Uh, but like looking at so out of for USA Nats, out of 27 chains that showed up, two made top eight. Yep. Uh, Michael Fang uh, and... Uh, uh, where's the other one on my list here? Uh Cody Williams and Michael Fang make it all the way to the finals. And that right there, I think, is a huge show. Well, and even in, in the, the Cincinnati Pro Quest, like we saw Chain do very well there as well. So chain is is still relevant and chain clearly can duke it out with um with briar
1: yeah and it's interesting to see other people's takes on it too we're seeing like a couple different lists there's a lot of chain players bringing this minimalism belittle package there's other chain players who aren't and i'm excited to see a lot of deck lists that come out of this weekend
0: yeah no i i am too and i'm i'm excited to see i mean i'm, I'm excited for us going to nats it's going to be a such a fun time i'm so stoked i'm ready to go right now (laughs) (laughs) we got a couple days still flying out on thursday um i know the rest of the well it's already late in sunday here uh but i think we're probably gonna run a couple matches after we're done recording this but uh monday tuesday wednesday like for me that's testing time like well i i've been testing up into this point as well but trying to just solidify our game plan solidify our decks and uh, figure out what um, we want to play this this coming weekend
1: I'm going to have a busy week, though. I've got two big school assignments oh, yeah. due. I've got a bunch of chores to take care of, stuff to get done, got to pack. There's a lot to do before before we leave Thursday afternoon. That's
0: fair. I'm, meanwhile, I'm lucky. I uh, I actually just went on uh, some vacation here from work, so I've got the next month off. I can just focus on, uh, well, this week, focus on gnats, and then just for the rest of the month, focus, focus on the podcast, focus on flesh and blood. Uh, I know we've got skirmish season starting once... Um, Once our Nats is done, yeah, so I got that to look forward to. Mind you, whereas Skirmish Season 1 and Skirmish Season 2 were a big deal because we didn't have all these pro-level events happening, Uh, this Skirmish Season feels a lot more laid back, and I think it's going to be more what LSS set out for the skirmish season idea to be that entry-level competitive event uh but i mean i'm looking forward to it skirmish season's always a good time Uh, i know you haven't even had the chance to experience a skirmish season yet
1: yeah i'm excited i haven't seen one
0: and you won't i mean like with there there are some online and i guess for those uh players who do jam online games um there are a few online skirmishes this season as well uh, but a lot of them are moving to the in-store model, which I think that also changes the. I mean, it changes the competitiveness. It um, you're you're not going to have as many people enrolled for some of them. Like I mean, I think there were some skirmishes that were like a hundred and some people plus. I remember one of the skirmishes uh, crashing uh, the gem software, like. <laughs> That's nuts. And uh, yeah, like this skirmish season is going to be a lot more laid back, but it's still it's going to be a good time. Like skirmish season is where people find out like if they if this is what they want to play on a competitive level or not. So and and you know what, this skirmish season is also going to be fun because we actually get to draft. That's I'm not stoked. something we got to do in the past. Um, but uh, just quickly here, let's um, let's touch on so. We all at this point we're all well aware with uh, the the controversy out of uh, UK nationals and uh, we're not going to touch on it for too long. Uh, but we did get a we did get an investigation from LSS. We got a verdict, and um, we uh, now LSS was intentionally vague, and that's fine um, with their ruling. Uh, they told us that a player got a warning for unsportsmanlike conduct. We don't know who that is. We don't know what. I mean, there was there was one player in particular who um, exhibited a whole lot of stuff, uh, but we did see some misplays and some issues from a few different players throughout uh, UK not So we can't we can't speculate, nor should we. Uh, we know somebody got a warning, and uh, I know a lot of people weren't happy with the verdict. They were hoping for more, and I'm I'm what are what are your thoughts on this, Andrew?
1: Well. Kind of going back to what I said last time, my thing is that the onus should be on the players to call judges at the time when the thing has just happened, when you're sitting there at the table. And, you know, if there was a record of many judge calls on the event and, like, lots of warnings, then LSS would have more information to go off of. And I like how they touched on what they expect coming out of players and online spectators and judges and stuff for the future. Like I, I really liked the article that they wrote and they addressed it rather quickly and I pretty much agreed with everything they said. So
0: yeah. And I that was I, good to see. I mean, I second that. Um, it's very hard to do things retroactively. It's very hard to after the fact come back. And now we had really good documentation and really good footage for UK Nats. But regardless, it is very hard after the fact to turn around and retroactively do something. I think, I think the precedent at this point has been made very clear. LSS has told us what to expect, um, and for everything we've seen and we've been told, you can bet that there was more communications behind the scene like the the judging community probably got some huge debrief that we as the general public are not privy to and i i think the precedent has been set on multiple levels i think judges have a much better idea on how to judge i think players have a much better idea on what's expected of them Um, and i even think we already have seen um, the byproduct of that. I mean, US Nats was, from what I saw at least, fairly clean. Uh, I, I think there was a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of a clean play throughout that. Uh, now I did hear, and unfortunately I don't have all the details on this either, I did hear there was a report of some cheating out of uh, French Nationals. But you know what? Uh, from what I've heard, the player was immediately disqualified. Now I don't know how egregious or blatant it was, but regardless i i'm willing to bet that there is an element of uk nationals having an impact on that and that judge probably had, based off communications either directly or indirectly uh had uh, was was empowered and given the confidence to make the right call and uh i hope moving forward we're going to see uh, more clean play and more um, more good judge calls, and I think a big takeaway for the community is don't be afraid to, A, hold your opponent accountable, B, read your opponent's cards, uh, C, uh, call a judge if you feel you need a judge. Um, I know Andrew last week said, like, that's what that's what the judges are here for. They're here to help us play the game justly. And, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to use them as a
1: resource. Yeah, and U.S. Nationals was really clean and crisp, especially moving farther into the tournament like day two onwards and stuff a lot of these familiar faces that we recognize from other events like they play so calmly smoothly correctly placing things out there they're using dice to let the spectators know how much damage is being dealt or if things are coming in as some arcane and some physical people are calling judges on themselves and they're fixing stuff like everything seemed to go really smoothly people weren't afraid to call judges event the coverage was really good the casting was really good stream quality was great
0: yeah, I, I know. On one of the days, they were having some issues. I think with some connectivity stuff, unfortunately. But I, I imagine that's out of CFB's control. Uh, that's uh, I, I remember seeing somebody in the chat comment jokingly saying, "Like, I know the U.S. has bad internet, but, but this is ridiculous." <laughs> and yeah, I, I think there were things out of uh, out of their control. But beyond that, like uh, CF, uh, like I said, I we only caught the the U.S. Uh, coverage, but. Um, it, it was really well done and, um, the, the commentary was, was phenomenal. Uh, a lot of good casters, uh, CFB has done a really good job recruiting, uh, really ten, talented people. I know like, Stephen uh, um, Steven, uh, or DM Armada, uh, Tannen Grace, uh, we are closer to home for us uh, flake Matt DeMarco uh, they all did a phenomenal job uh, red zone rogue was great um, Saw they had Matt Rogers on for some of it this time around and uh, he's uh, he's clearly having such fun just being on stream and yeah I yeah, know everybody did a phenomenal job there uh, I do want to touch on this quickly because I forgot to mention it before uh, so just to break down the top eight meta for the US calling because we didn't mention it uh, we had uh, Dante on Briar uh, we had um, Quinn Wonku on Bravo I apologize if I mess up any of these names uh, Joshua Kehe on Chain uh, Jordan Nell on Briar Matt Rogers on uh, Viscerai uh, Joel Repta on Briar uh, Michael Hamilton on Old Him. and Jonathan Manguson on Old Him uh out of that it ended up being Michael Hamilton and Joel Repta in the finals Old Him versus Brier and uh Michael Hamilton was the one who uh who was able to take out the win there? Michael Hamilton being the uh, the uh, USA calling champion for Orlando. Big congrats to him. Uh, we also for the ProQuest we had. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have all great dad on this one either. Uh, it's just there's too much flesh and blood this weekend, is what it came yeah. down to. Nobody could just stay on top of everything. It's bonkers. Like, I don't know if, what, if and when we'll have another weekend like this jam-packed with stuff. Uh, but we did have, yeah, thir- 232 players playing uh, with uh, Zach Bunn pulling the win out at the ProQuest. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Zach Bunn is uh, one of the founders of the Team Covenant uh brand I guess for lack of a better term they have they, they, they make content they stream they're also a store uh, a lot of people probably don't even know like they're a huge reason why uh, flesh and blood is as big as it is in North America um, they uh, they' they're yeah they're one of the first companies to take a shot on flesh and blood and uh, we uh, we have them to thank for in part for uh, for why. It is what it is at this point so huge congrats to zach bunn huge congrats to uh everyone pulling out a win this weekend uh that that, it's just awesome for everyone i think that's that's it on the agenda for this week uh andrew did you have anything uh to kind of wrap up here
1: No, it's just, it's our turn to go win our nationals. Yeah. Are you ready to slog through the Runeblade trenches?
0: Oh, I think in part you got to decide, do you, if you, do you, do you try to beat them or do you join them? And
1: (laughs) we'll probably decide the day before. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, sleeve up everything throughout the week. Just uh, see what feels best. And that's, that's all we can do.
1: Yeah. But if you want to follow our team of people that we're traveling with, our Twitter at the combat chain, I'm going to be posting all of our records at the end of every round. As long as I've got my phone and it's alive, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to make some content as well for yeah. the channel. And we're going to be in Toronto.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that we will be, uh, some, some regular updates. Uh, I know we're still, we're still in the process of figuring out some of our, uh, some of our, uh, social media platforms we're going to use for, uh, and how we're going to update things. But you know what? We'll, uh, as we figure it out, we will post it in the drop-down box on the YouTube page. So keep your eyes peeled there. Um, we'll let you guys know uh, as things get figured out. Um, but until next week, uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're, uh, we're closing, closing the, the comment combat chain. chain.